We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Cardinals made it official today. Chip Carey will be in the television broadcast booth replacing Danny Mack, who um, had issues with uh, DUIs, as we remember. Chip is an old high school friend from Parkway West. Went to Parkway West. He graduated with me in the class of 1983. I was always surprised because back then, when, when we were classmates, I was already interested in broadcasting, and I certainly knew who his father and his grandfather were, but I don't remember him having, um, you know, an extreme interest in broadcasting. But he's done quite well for himself, and he'll be in the Cardinals broadcast booth for this upcoming season. Uh, President Trump was in the news over the weekend, gave a speech in New Hampshire. We're going to restore election integrity. We have to. You go to New York, nobody ever gets prosecuted. I'm the only one they go after. They're sending people that are, are killers, murderers, they're sending rapists, and they're sending, uh, frankly, terrorists. We have a woke military that can't fight or win. And the wind turbines are all made in China. Variety of issues there. Josh Krasauer, 97.1 Political Insider, senior political correspondent at Axios. You see him on Fox News as well. I saw him earlier. Josh, how are you this afternoon? Mark, it's great to be uh, back on the show. I'm back from New Hampshire. I was at that very yeah. speech that you just played some of those sound bites from. Tell me about the speech. I want to get into some of these other things like Rana being reelected as RNC chair. Your thoughts on some of the things that the Sanus has done. But what was that like on uh, was it Saturday? Yeah, it was uh, at a high school auditorium about uh, 400 or so uh, party leaders in New Hampshire uh, there for their ordinary business. And, and Trump kind of swoops in and gives a speech. You know, he, the, the, the most striking thing, Mark, is that there really wasn't a whole lot of policy. There wasn't a whole lot of anything. It was uh, sort of what you were used to from the rallies, some of the the, the, the greatest hits of the, the Trump campaign rallies. But there wasn't a whole lot of applause. There wasn't a whole lot of cheering because this was not a, a mega rally in New Hampshire. It was a pretty small uh, party uh, event uh, in, in, on Saturday morning. So, um, look, it, it I, I think there's still, I'm talking to a lot of Republicans in New Hampshire who are at this event, 
you know, most Republicans like Donald Trump. They liked the policies, especially when he was president. But there was a clear sense that they're looking for something new, that they're looking past Trump. And there was even some grumbling that he because Trump's uh, plane was running a little late, late and disrupting the schedule a little bit, uh, that there were a lot of people like that you hear often in New England that were getting, getting a little anxious or getting a little, little annoyed that Trump had really – you know, screwed up their schedule. And you never heard that at any Trump rally or anything uh, else related to Trump that I've covered. So there did seem to be a sense that Trump is sort of yesterday's news. Ron DeSantis was getting a lot lot of buzz in in the room, uh, even though he wasn't there in person. And the only thing that was related to Ron DeSantis that was there was a cutout figure of him a uh, life-size cutout that a group supporting DeSantis ha- had set up for. for now, now, did he? Now, the I saw some polling from New Hampshire that showed that DeSantis actually had a pretty significant lead over Trump. Did he take shots at DeSantis? I've seen some action on social media, Josh, the last couple of days, where there are Republicans, and these are some who you know certainly were fans of Trump and have supported the former president in the past, that have said that his attacks on DeSantis are just not going to be, in the end, a very helpful thing. But did he go after DeSantis and any others on Saturday at that rally, or not? Yeah, he did not at the speech itself. He did later that day as he took a plane to South Carolina for the other stop he made on on Saturday. But look, you know, I think the challenge for Trump is that a lot of his supporters really like Ron DeSantis as, as well. Maybe more of them support him than DeSantis in the end. But when you're going after a guy that your followers and supporters really like, that's that's not going to help you out. That, that that's not not the move that a right. lot of his own fans want him to take. So he's in a really awkward. I mean, it's, it's, Trump is a, is, is a counterpuncher. That that was how he made a name for himself back in 2015 on the debate stage. He has no one to punch against. Well, because DeSantis it's not going to even be an outfit. Yeah, DeSantis. Runs. They're they're being real careful, right, Josh? They're not they're not going to bait him into anything right now, are they? No, I mean, the, the, the one thing that's pretty pretty notable about this field is that it's, it's taking a long time to develop. And we may not see DeSantis in this race if he runs until June, yeah. uh, early summer, right. most likely. Uh, you're, you're seeing other other candidates that are making names for themselves, like a Pompeo or Haley, Nikki Haley. Uh, but they're not making decisions right away either. So, you know, this is a weird field in that you have Trump you know, in the race, hasn't been doing a whole lot. It was his first uh, opportunity to hit the campaign trail. And, you know, early reviews were not not overwhelming. So let's talk about South Carolina, because he was asked about Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley called me the other day to talk to me, talk to her for a little while. But I said, look, you know, go by your heart if you want to run. She's publicly said that I would never run against my president. He was a great president. Florida was actually closed for a very long period of time. Remember, he closed the beaches and everything else. You know, it's... uh, (laughs) They're trying to rewrite history. All right, so that's an interesting comment there because I've seen this um, sort of highlighted on Twitter as well. He seems to be insinuating that Ron DeSantis was like one of the lockdown governors. When there's a tweet that's out there from Trump himself from the early part of the pandemic where where he actually lets the governors off the hook, he takes all the blame for the lockdowns, which I I don't know how that's going to play in the future, but you can't criticize someone when you yourself said, hey, I'm the guy that sort of led the way on the lockdowns. Yeah, that's what you would call a there you go again moment uh, that you've seen on the debate stage in politics. Look, I mean, it shows a little bit on how Trump is struggling to articulate an argument against Governor DeSantis. If you look at the record, it was Trump. Trump 
was actually calling for more restrictions in the early stages of COVID when, when, when there were some conservative Republican governors like DeSantis who were starting to break from that consensus. So, I mean, the, the record shows that, that DeSantis was one of those early uh, defections from the, the public right. health consensus. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know how he wins that fight. The reason DeSantis developed a sort of a cult following among conservative Republicans is because of his kind of independent heterodox views on how to handle the COVID crisis. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that'll be a winning fight for Trump. It's the one area where, where DeSantis, whether it's vaccines or um, where, I, where I think he's probably staked out maybe too far to the right, um, at least for a general election, but on vaccines and, and the regulations, that's an area where he thinks Trump is vulnerable. And Trump, you know, it's gotten to Trump's head clearly from his, his responses and his attacks online. Well, let me shift over to the other side of the political equation, because this is fun, too. Elizabeth Warren on Friday. Yes, he should run again. Yeah. And he is running again because he has gotten a tremendous amount done. Could Kamala Harris be the, his choice the second time around? You know, I, I really want to defer to what makes Biden comfortable on his team. But they need they have to be a team. And my sense is they are. I don't mean that by suggesting I think there are any problems. I think they are. Oopsie. <laughs> that, was, that was interesting, wasn't it? Well, Mark, if you want two Democrats, national figures who do not have great political judgment, Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren at, at the top of the list. Oh, yeah. and there's a reason neither of them were the nominees for, for 2020. Uh, look, I, I don't think that was a great moment for Warren. If she wants to be the running mate for Biden, she, she, she just say so. You know, like get, get her movement out there and, and put some pressure on the White House. That that, that was sort of a, almost came across as something of a passive-aggressive move, not giving full support for, for the current vice president. But all you have to do, Mark, is look at the polling numbers. All you have to do is look at the, the latest polling averages. Kamala Harris's uh, average job approval, uh, according to the latest round of polls, is in the mid-30s. It's really bad. And uh, if you talk to Democrat, almost every Democrat to a person has widespread concerns at best about her political aptitude and ability to be the uh, the, the person who you know is the successor to yeah. Biden. And the big my, my my view is that the reason Biden's not the only reason, but one of the big reasons pulling Biden in, into running for re-election despite being you know 80 years old and 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 at, at his advanced age is the fear a lot of Democrats have either of Harris being the uh, successor and the next in line nominee, or just the fact that you'd have a civil war in the party between the Warrens and the more moderate Democrats that would be very bloody and make the Republican battles almost seem like child's play. So, you know, this is a real problem. Democrats have kind of, Biden has been allowing them to tamp down some of these internal divisions in the party. Warren would be front and center among those uh, fighting that civil war. And Harris is the person who was uh, probably the ostensible front runner if Biden left office. But no one, very few Democrats think she's ready for prime time. Well, how do you feel so far about McCarthy's start with the uh, the speakership and some of these committee assignments and some of the flack that he's gotten over that? Look, I think he's handled his his job fairly well since becoming speaker. It was obviously a tough, tough ride uh, just to get the votes. But, you know, he, you know, he's been one of the things I actually was breaking this afternoon, Mark. I'm not sure if you talked about it on the show, but. Uh, Biden just ended. The White House end, is going to be ending its uh, public health COVID emergency. No, I have not. I've not touched spring. on that. Interesting. Yeah, so that's it's a big. It's a big deal. It has ramifications for the student loan, uh, you know, executive order that 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 was conducted. But the big reason he did that is because the Republicans in the House were about to 
propose a bill that would do it themselves, that, that would essentially end the COVID health emergency and, and take credit for it. And this is a sign that the Republicans actually have gotten the better on, of the politics on that issue than the White House. And the White House is sort of playing defense, saying that they're going to oppose this legislation, but they want to say, well, we're going to end it anyways. We're going to end the emergency status for COVID Interesting. Uh, in May. So it's a sign that you know, McCarthy and the, the, also the end of uh, vaccine uh, mandates in the military, uh, that was something that McCarthy was pushing in Congress and the White House ended up compromising with, with, with the House Republicans. So there are areas where McCarthy has actually, you know, kind of pushed the White House a little bit more to their side. The big test, though, and it's going to really test McCarthy's leadership, is this debt ceiling fight coming down the pike. And uh, McCarthy has a lot of uh, hard right uh, lawmakers that, that really want to use that as, a, as leverage and may not want to make a compromise when, when push comes to shove. Is it a good thing, in your opinion, that Ronna McDaniel was reelected as the uh, the chair of the RNC? And, and I have nothing against her personally, but I certainly could see the calls and I understood the calls for new leadership at the RNC. The competition wasn't extremely stiff because you had the pillow guy, nothing against Mike Lindell's pillows. I actually sleep with a pillow. I don't think he was the right choice for the RNC, but how, how do you handicap the way that that thing wrapped up the other day yeah i mean look I, there was no real debate over over vision of the party i mean th- this was just a battle between who's the caretaker uh for the rnc i don't think there were any larger issues at stake um, uh, the leading challenger to, to ron ron mcdaniel harmony dillon wanted uh, was even more pro-trump than, than mcdaniel and uh didn't think that there was a problem with the electability of candidates in 2022 when anyone paying attention knows knows the reality so you know, I, I think it's kind of like it's Seinfeld. The, this was a, an election about nothing. I mean, it is a status quo election. McDaniel gets reelected, but there was no real vision, and no one was actually calling on the party to kind of realize where where the political tea leaves are and understand that they need to moderate and uh, you know become a little more attractive to, to independents and suburbanites to win elections. Josh Crossauer, great to have you on. You have a great week. It's always interesting, isn't it? These political stories they never slow down, which is good for guys like you and me. So I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Hey, and we're close to spring training, right? Very close. That's a good thing, too. Don't you think? Yeah. Unfortunately, the Nats are... uh, (laughs) Well, you love baseball. They're going to sell the team, and they haven't been spending any money on free agents. It's going to be a long year. We welcome you with open arms. I'll send you Cardinals gear. Don't worry about it, Josh. We'll talk soon. All right, we'll see you. (laughs) We like to talk baseball. He is a Nats fan. Uh, I want to touch on something here before. I have one of the producers of All Quiet on the Western Front, which is an excellent, very harrowing um, war movie that was nominated for nine Oscars, a bunch of BAFTAs as well, which is the British version of the Oscars. Daniel Dreyfus, who has St. Louis and Columbia, Missouri connections, is one of the producers. So he'll join us in the next segment. But I just know is something when I was speaking with Jazz that, uh, I'm sorry, Josh, that Jazz Shaw wrote about at Hot Air. And this connects with me, and I want to explain it a little bit here, because over the weekend, now I watched this video, we opened the show talking about what happened in Memphis to a certain extent, and I've seen the videos, but I always am looking for what the hell is missing. And I felt that there was something missing on the Paul Pelosi story. I think the only thing missing on that was they weren't transparent enough with releasing the video. And there were conflicting reports from what the FBI at least took in and what local police did. In the end, I don't have any conspiracy theory on that. And I'm not saying I have one on Memphis. However, I think Jazz is on to something here. And I connected with my friend John Ziegler over the weekend in California. Actually, John reached out to me. And he said, let me go to this tweet because I'm so glad that Jazz wrote about this. Um, Zig, who's always kind of sniffing things out, said, 
Hang on a second. Okay, it's obviously bad, but it still feels like there is something missing. I guess it's that the victim died without proper care. If that had not happened, it feels like the videos wouldn't have been so horrendous. Does that make sense? And my comment was, it does make sense. And what I said was, there does seem to be something missing here. I'm not saying that any of this was justified on the part of the police, but listen to the way that Jazz wrote it, wrote about it on Hot Air, because this, this really did resonate with me. He said, the horrific beating death of Tyree Nichols in Memphis has rapidly been driving the national conversation on policing with a renewed level of energy reminiscent of the 2020 Summer of Love. This week, the NAACP called for the firing of all law enforcement officials. And he kind of goes into some of the background here. But this is the part that I thought was interesting. The actual story that's driving all this activity remains something of a mystery. What really happened on the night when five members of the now-defunct Scorpion police task pulled over Nichols and beat him so badly that he succumbed to his wounds a couple of days later? Thus far, the mainstream media has seemed to be content with the standard narrative that has grown and been repeated surrounding the incident. By the way, I would make a comparison here with some of the things that I've been saying about Ron DeSantis in the advanced placement test from the National Board, the College Board in Florida, from the standpoint that everybody wants to tell that story, but no one wants to dig in and say, hey, what's the part that's controversial? What's the part of the curriculum that he's opposed to? And there's no effort on the part of journalists to do that. In this particular case, all right, you have a group of white supremacist cops, that's what we're told, observed Nichols driving erratically. They proceeded to pull him over and decided to teach him a lesson about driving while black, right? The beating got far out of hand, resulting in injuries that would eventually prove fatal. Now, is that, is that the narrative? So Jazz Shaw writes, after watching the painful video several times, which wasn't easy, I still find myself feeling that something just isn't right with this story. None of this makes sense. And we should be pressing for more answers. I completely agree with you. You mean why they ramped up yes, so fast? And, yes, yes. That's it, a very good it question. It doesn't make any sense. So he says, I'll ask you to bear with me. Now, I'm not saying that this is where I'm going, but he says, I'll put on my conspiracy theory hat and walk through a couple aspects of this tale, then decide for yourself. He says, what were five members of what was described as an elite violent crime unit doing on traffic duty that night when they should have been hunting down gang kingpins? Okay, that's a good question. You'd think like a real journalist would want to ask that. These weren't run-of-the-mill rookies fresh out of the police academy. They were young, right? But they were experienced officers that were in this task force, and they were tasked with tracking down the violent criminals in Memphis. So he says, in the interest of fairness, let's assume that these Scorpion cops were on some other local business when they happened to allegedly see Nichols driving erratically. That's Any police did. officer might be forgiven for stepping in, checking out the driver to stave off the possibility of someone being killed in a DWI. Fair enough. So erratic driving is frequently observed by the police, and there is a standard response. The police would typically pull the driver over, ask for their license, and then administer a sobriety test. But... As can be seen in the opening seconds of the video, the cops didn't do that. They rushed the car. They were already screaming at Nichols. As soon as the car was unlocked, they yanked the door open. They dragged the driver out onto the pavement. We all know what happened after that. And he says, call me crazy if you wish, but that doesn't look like the typical actions most police officers would exhibit with a drunk driver. This looks like it was done with a purpose. I don't believe that there was any consideration of administering a breathalyzer test to some random driver and taking him to the drunk tank. So what explains this. Look, I personally think those are really, really good questions. There could be very easy answers. Very easy, because I don't like going down. A lot of people went down the Paul Pelosi conspiracy, you know, flagpole or whatever you want to call it. No, it is just a terrible thing that happened, and the police kind of screwed up the description of what happened. But in this particular case, I think that there are really good follow-up questions that are not being asked or answered right now. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Heavily nominated by the Academy last week. Nine Oscar nominations for All Quiet on the Western Front. Meister. Paul Bäumer. Now, this is a German film, but you can watch it in subtitles and also dubbed in English on Netflix. And Daniel Dreyfus is with us this afternoon. He's one of the producers of the film that we all know was based on a, a very popular book. Daniel Dreyfus, producer of All Quiet on the Western Front. Welcome to 97.1 FM Talk. How are you? It's good to be talking to you. Pleasure to be here. Well, first and foremost, congratulations on all these accolades for All Quiet on the Western Front. That's had to be amazing a week ago, waking up to that news. It was very special. It was, it, it's a privilege, as I said, you know, to go beyond the international film. It was a bigger dream than I could dream myself to go all the way to nine categories and 14 BAFTA nominations. Yes. So it's quite remarkable, and I'm just grateful that the film found its audience um, and recognition among, amongst our peers. Well, I want to talk about the movie quite a bit here, but I have to ask you about your connection to Columbia. I have a son who's 23 years old who's a teacher. He's a CUPE at Hickman High School. You, Daniel, were a CUPE, right? How did that happen? <laughs> I um, came, basically uh, did what one could say an exchange program with my own family. I came from Brazil, where I lived at the time, and... I grew up knowing that I had this American family, which 
um, comes all the way from the 60s when my father first came from Uruguay as an American Food Service um, foreign exchange student to live with a Coffalo family in St. Louis, in Clayton specifically. Oh, wow. Okay. uh, He really became the fourth child of that family. He was adopted in their hearts. And I grew up there for knowing that I had this American family. I first met them when I was 10. Um, I came to to visit with, with my dad. And then when I was about 16, I did what my father had done some 35 years prior. And I came to live with one of his three um, American siblings. And they chose um, the, the, the person that I ended up calling my, my mom, my American mom, uh, Sally Silvers, because her family had kids my age and in turn became my siblings and my family. Today, my father's gone and, and they truly are the family that I have on my father's That's side. That's amazing. That is cool. Now, you did, um, one of the other things that I came across, you did an interview with the Columbia, Missourian. You described that um, year with the family in Columbia as a, out of a Hollywood picture. What do you mean by that? You know, when you grow up overseas, um, this idea of what a high school looks like in the United States, um, the lockers, the high school culture, the cliques, um, <laughs> yes, it's such an American, like the American graffiti yeah. coming of age story. It's such an uniquely American experience. So when I arrived there, all the lockers, the, the faces of the people, the cliques, the first day walking in the, in, in the cafeteria with a tray, waiting for one table of the various cliques to, to welcome me, felt very much like all of those movies that I had seen. And then on top of that, I had a magical experience. I really found myself from the new kid on the block to being very connected and felt right at home and made many friends, some of which I'm still in touch today, uh, although we're scattered all over the country and the world. So it was both very familiar because it looked like a movie and then it was wonderful, just like itself. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, in, and obviously we, we can probably go on for quite some time with, with all this information, but uh, what was your path then to becoming a film producer? After high school, I went back to Brazil I went to college in Brazil, and I worked in Brazil, an American company. I think my time in Colombia opened my eyes to the idea that it would be possible for me to come back to the United States and, and live in the States. Um, and I came straight to Los Angeles after college, right after college, with two bags and big dreams and passion. But where I was at the time, because you know, no one in my family was in film. No one I knew was in film. My in into the film industry was I thought I wanted to work in marketing and market movies for international territories and markets. Um, and I think eventually after being in that for a little while, literally one morning I woke up and I thought to myself, this is not the reason I want to be in this business. I want to be in this business to tell stories. I want to work in the business telling stories, characters, bringing worlds to the screen, not necessarily working on behalf of those movies, which is more of what I was doing at the time. Absolutely. So I went to school in producing, 
And once I left grad school, I called myself an independent producer and worked until I actually was producing something. Luckily, the first film that I produced, No, became Chile's, the country of Chile's first Oscar entry, uh, first Oscar nomination, rather, in history. So I had the good fortune that my first feature became an Oscar nominee in what was called at the time Best Foreign Film, now known as Best International Film. And that film did play in Columbia, Missouri at the closing of the True Falls Film Festival. And what a film festival that that is. I've been I've been in several years and, you know, the pandemic threw it off. But what an amazing film festival that has been in Columbia. Oh, absolutely. It, it is. I have tr- I think the first year that I went was 2007 and or around then and I or eight and I have been most years since I think I may have missed a couple when I was shooting or, or something but I tried to go every year obviously it gives me a chance to see the family yeah and the family growing because now I have a nephew and a niece and it's great to see the city and, and escape to Colombia from all of which is uh, the industry here and, and, and the city. Um, and it's just such a joy, just festival. And I love documentaries because so much of my work has been inspired by true stories. Obviously, there's a direct dialogue between what inspires me, what I do, and some of the documentaries that are, and the documentaries that are in True False. Uh, and also, it's amazing to see how the city rallies behind it and, and how the city supports it and is happy to have it and shows up. I love to see full screening rooms, full theaters, lines for film. Yeah, for it's very impressive. It really is. Stars. It's an incredible. And for those people listening, I've, pl- you know, I've plugged this here in St. Louis for years. For, for folks who have never been to True False, you should check it out. In Columbia, Daniel Dreyfus is here. He is uh, one of the producers on All Quiet on the Western Front. So why why this film? You know, I think when when a lot of us heard about this movie, and I, I've known about it a little bit more than people who just found out last week with the Oscar nominations, we all say, okay, well, this was one of those books that we had to read in, I don't even remember, junior high or high school. That's what most people, I think, think of with All Quiet on the Western Front. I think that's the case. I think a lot of people walk up to me and say, you know, I read this book in high school. I read a book in my uh, last year of junior high and I didn't. I read the book later in life, but I received a um, script about 10 years ago and my family, my father's family is from Germany and they were German Jews and my grandfather was born in 1899 and joined the war in 1917 and fought in World War I. And his first cousin is one of the people who died on that last day or last few days of the war. So when mm. I got that script, I felt like I knew these people. And I felt there was an opportunity to do a retelling of the story, focusing on those last few days of the war, which is the way the script was uh, conceived. But I also had that story in my house, in my household. And so I felt like I had something to say and I could honor those people, uh, including my grandfather's generation who fought for Germany in World War I, only to be sent to a concentration camp um, some 20 years later. 
Well, look, it's an incredible film, and it, it's just so harrowing because of the realism. I, I can't argue to people here listening that it's going to make you feel good because it's really, it's really tough to watch with, uh, with the reality. One of the questions I, I had for you as a producer is we see war movies all the time, with uh, whether it's from World War I, World War II, with the trenches, and you know this is so realistic. Do you have to rebuild trenches all the time? Are there sets that you can take advantage of the trenches that have been built for other war films because it seems like a a big part of the production there might be standing trenches but for in our case things were created and most films i would say would also create their own because it has to do with the camera movement it has to do with the the tone of the picture some might be a little more on the whimsical side or fantasy side although whimsical is hardly a word you would associate with war um, and also the way the camera needs to travel to those trenches. Maybe there is a design that comes after the, the director has envisioned the camera movement. So it really depends on the production. But I would probably guess that most films, short of having to, to have one or two sequences, and then they take what we call a standing set right. in the back lot somewhere, would probably build their own if they're going to be a hero set, meaning a set in which the bulk or a lot of the action takes place. Yeah, and that makes sense. I I was just curious about that. Look, we threw all these young men, and uh, those of us who never had to deal with some of this, we we deal with things that stress us out, like sitting in traffic, and we think about these young men scared as you-know-what into a war like this, and I felt like this film, All Quiet on the Western Front, more than many other war films that I've seen, seems to go further in showing the fear and anxiety of these soldiers. Is that an accurate interpretation, do you think? I think that this was not a, a, a hero's journey. And that is perhaps the key difference. Yeah. A lot of films that we've seen about war are a hero's journey. It's one person who needs to defeat who, the odds and beat the odds and kill people, and then they survive and triumph at the end. This is not that. This is told from the point of view of Germany uh, and also the side that lost the war. Uh, and it's also, for the first time, the story was told of all kinds of us in front was told from that perspective. But at the end of the day, all those who participate in the war and the youth that was deceived or sent to fight, almost recyclable by those people who wanted power and greed and due to false pride, they are the victims of the war. And, and there's no winning side in that. Uh, for those who stood face to face with the bullets and, and the horrors of war, it was never, as remarked the author says, an adventure. So in that sense, uh, it is very much a, a story that wanted to highlight the horrors of war because it's an anti-war, anti-bellic Film. Yeah. Well, there's a scene, I don't want to ruin anything for people in the movie, by the way, you can find it on Netflix. It shows uh, one of the main characters uh, about to be killed. And there's, again, I don't want to ruin anything, but there's humanity that's shown in one scene where there is a German soldier that sees um, family pictures of, you know, the other soldier that he just killed with the mud caked on his face. And he basically mourns the soldier he just killed and, and had to kill to save his own life. And, and that's something else you don't see very often. It's one of my favorite sequences in the film, and I think you're alluding to the scene in the crater that is yeah. lifted from the book um, and was also in the 1930 version of the story. 
that won the Oscar for Best Picture back then. The it is one of those moments when the character has lost his humanity as dehumanizing as this, this dehumanizing war um, uh, does, and then in that glimmer of moment, he regains regains his humanity when he realizes that they're both the same. They're both youth fighting, not knowing why they're fighting, for what purpose, have lost any sense of humanity. And in that moment, he regains a glimmer of, of humanity and sees himself in that other kid who could be yeah. his friend was not for the fact that they were on opposite sides. It was really well done. Yeah, I like, and you yeah. know, here we are, a uh, hundred plus years from when this movie is set, and we're still doing this over in Ukraine right now, which is just, I think, to a lot of us, just stunning. But Daniel, congratulations again on the film. I, I would re- now. I cheat. I want to ask you your opinion of this. I cheated because I have been a fan over the years. Watch films that are in subtitles. If it's a foreign film, it's a good film. I've been such a promoter, and then I kind of saw that Netflix had a dub version and i watched it in english did i do the wrong thing daniel listen i spent a great deal of time trying to make this film in the original language and go back to the original text so that people in the trenches on the german side could be speaking german to each other because authenticity is important to me however i also believe in the democratization of entertainment yes or so I think that it is important that people be exposed to the story and to the film. Of course, you would ask me as a filmmaker, it is my personal preference that people see it in the original, not just my movie, any movie. Right. So you can see the flavors of that culture of a world. However, people should consume film, culture, entertainment the way that it also is accessible when it speaks to them. So for me, the paramount element here is that it be seen not just this works of, of fiction and, and historical fiction or drama in general and if the way to do that if somebody feels more comfortable watching it in English it is their choice and their privilege to be able to do so my personal preference as a filmmaker is always to go back to the original like it has been for you I get it, and I think that's a great answer. Daniel Dreyfus, congratulations again. A ton of BAFTA nominations, a heap of Oscar nominations as well. It's playing right now on Netflix, All Quiet on the Western Front. I love the St. Louis and the Columbia Connections. Come see us sometime. Thank you, Daniel. Would be my pleasure. Thank you. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 
Oh, uh, Sue, I watched football yesterday, and I was so sore because I played racquetball twice this weekend. You know, that's my new thing. I, I got it back into a sport that everyone gave up on 40 years ago. But yes, I, I'm doing it now because I did it back then, and I joined this league at the MAC, and I'm getting my ass handed to me. Well, they have put you in the B group. Yeah, they have three different levels in this league, A, B, C. And I, I had a little assessment, and uh, Mark, who played with me about a month and a half ago, said, oh, I think you can be in the B group. So I, I've played six matches. I don't think I've won one game. Like, not one game. I certainly haven't watched a match. Oh, that's depressing. So here's what I'm going to do. Honestly, God, I've reached out. I'm trying to find someone to give me racquetball lessons for, like, oh, intermediate play. that's a good player. idea. And I think I've found a couple of people. Because okay. my deal now with, with – have you ever played, by the way? Uh, yes. All I'm doing is trying to hit the ball. Like, I have no placement on a kill shot. I'm just trying to, hey, hit the ball, stay alive. And that's not the best strategy not really, for racquetball. But I'm not exaggerating. I'm about to be 58 years old. The way that I felt yesterday, how am I going to feel when I'm like 68? I couldn't move. I think you're going to be fine. I mean, that's a lot, and that's a lot of losing, which makes you depressed. <laughs> oh, Do you thank, know what I mean? Thank, thanks, Sue. <laughs> well, you, you know, I'm you, just you saying. have a knack of making me feel really, <laughs> really good. That's awesome. Uh, hey, Reardon, you <laughs> suck. No, and I'm that's trying part of to it. say that I think that makes it even worse. You know what I mean? In your head, in your brain, yes. you're like, no, oh. I do know what you mean because it does. I can confirm that. Let's do this. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. All right. Uh, you know, it's going to do something serious because we all learned that even five black police officers can be responsible for white supremacy. But let's move on from that and do a little football. I've got to take you back to the Cincinnati mayor, Aftab Puraval, who did this. He did a proclamation the so other day. Whereas Joseph Lee Burrow, who's 3-0 and against Mahomes, has been asked by officials to take a paternity test confirming whether or not he's his father. Okay, that was a bad idea, and Travis Kelsey made it known. Wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. <laughs> you gotta fight for your right to party. Oh, yeah, and the Chiefs are heading back to the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. Uh, a gimpy Patrick Mahomes led him there. That's your audio cut of the day. We'll talk tomorrow night. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 